host, Jennifer Strickland, and I am super excited to introduce you to an amazing guest today. Her name is Debbie Titus. Debbie is actually with the Lord. She went uh, to be with the Lord a little over a month ago, and I had the incredible privilege of being mentored by her for over 10 years, ever since I moved out from California to Texas. Debbie came into my life right away. She had a huge impact on my life, and she has had worldwide impact on so many women's lives. Her main message was making your home a place of love, peace, belonging, and giving your home everything that you have as a woman. And I have learned so much from her. I'm so grateful for her mentorship. And so without further ado, to celebrate International Women's Day, I want to introduce you to the Debbie Titus and her message, I am woman. Um, I mentioned Lois. Sorry for calling you by first name, Pastor Lois. We could give her a lot of amazing titles. But I just want to show you on the screen how far back we go. We are no strangers. Do we have the... <laughs> we were little girls. Well, she... <laughs> and capital L on little. So this morning at breakfast, she said, Debbie, I can't believe that picture. When was that? And we were trying to think. It probably was close to 20 years ago, maybe 18 to 20 years ago. And guess what? We both still have those outfits in our closet. <laughs> Before we get into our message today, I do want to tell you very quickly about the resources that I brought. And I want to show you my family because as I laid the foundation for this conference today, being the first speaker, and when we come as speakers, we are a team. There is no star in this conference. We are creating layers together that the Holy Spirit knew because he knows you. So he spoke to each of us to be able to deliver to you a full message. In this conference, there's one message, and each of us teach a chapter of that message for your life. For me... In my season of life, I have the amazing privilege to see the generations of my seed bearing fruit, which is our goal, each one of us. You may be a first-generation believer, you may be a second-generation, you a third, fourth, but what I have here today with me is not the beginning because we have like eight generations. But today, my mother is here, and it's very unusual to have her with me in my conferences. And while our tech team puts the photo up of our family, I would love to have my mother stand so you can see her. She's a bright light right down on this third row. She is a treasure. You can wave it one more turn, Mom. Come on, one more turn. On the screen, thank you, Mom, I love you so much. And I will quote her, I cannot teach without quoting my mother. And, um, but on the screen, you will see five generations of our family. I have been married for 51 years. We have, we have two children, we have six grandchildren, and we have nine great-grandchildren. And also here today is my daughter and my granddaughter, so will you stand, along with my mother. So now here are four, four of our generations right here. And then, of course, we didn't let the babies come in. 
And you can see the babies here, five generations. This, ladies, is what victory produces. That's why grasping to the truth, thank God from our theme, 1 Corinthians 15. Thank God we have the victory in Christ Jesus. Therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the faith, at, so your works will not come void. Amen? Amen? This is victory. I don't just write books. It was about 10 years ago, God called me to create resources that would resource the next generation. There are very few women in today's culture who focus their ministry and their lives on teaching on the home. I'm one of them. It became very uh, non-chic to teach or to preach about the home. And it was in the year 2000 that God said, Debbie, if you don't resurrect this voice, the value of the home and the understanding of the home and the relationship to the human heart will be lost to the next generations. And the truth is the home is the foundation for human society. And the home is the institution that God created for the human heart to be formed. And you are here today knowing the truth of this more than anything else that I will say is that at home, the human heart will be hurt, hardened, and hindered, or it will be made safe, sensitive, and secure. And the word says all of the issues of life flow out of the heart. And so what we are doing in our home is preparing the hearts. And if they become hard, you can bring your kids to church week after week after week. But if your children have a hard heart because their home isn't secure in the power of the love of God, and you embracing the victory that Christ has for your life, if it is not secure there, then the seed of the word of God goes into a hard heart. And when a test comes, it's just blown away. It doesn't take root. And so we must understand how to make our homes a place of love and peace. And this is a complete mentoring curriculum teaching how to do that. I have had more than 1,000 women come to my home and spend four days with me. And this is the curriculum that I take you through. If you give me four days of your life and I never saw you again, I ask God, what would I tell you? And that's what's in the first four chapters of that book. And the rest of that book is all the practical things that maybe you didn't have the privilege of learning. The second book is called The Table Experience, Discover What Creates Deeper, More Meaningful Relationships. How many of you need your relationships to go deeper? I can't give you a summary of that because I have a message I want to deliver to you so you just read it and trust me, it will give you keys. The next book my husband and I wrote together called When Leaders Live Together, How Two Strong Personalities Can Thrive in Marriage. Are there any strong personalities here? We had the privilege of teaching the first chapter of that book in Dr. Evans' um, leadership conference this year, and it was a real pleasure. And then this is a book for men. It used to be the best book for men I knew until Dr. Tony Evans wrote The Kingdom Man. <laughs> now this is the second best book for men. And if your husbands have already read The Kingdom Man, they haven't read The Teleos Man, and really, they go like this together. They are not a repeat. And when you come to a women's conference, if you're married, how many married women are here? If you're married, oh, a lot of us are, and a lot of us aren't, but if you're married, there are two gifts. When you spend all day at a conference or two or three days, there are two gifts you must take home to your husbands. Everybody say, husband. Because first you want to take him home this book as a gift, and the second thing you want to take him home is really good sex. 
You know why? He will always let you go to a conference. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> now, unmarried ladies, you take that book home to the special man in your life, and don't you dare give him sex. And if you do, he won't marry you. Make him wait. Why buy the cow if the milk's free? You're not doing yourself any favors. And you're not winning his loyalty either. Who got up at 4 a.m. this morning to be here? Oh, Lord, who got up at 3? Who got... Who, who didn't sleep all night because of this conference? <laughs> I created a small line of pillowcases. You know why? With scriptures on them about we have one on rest, peace, be still and know that I am God. Because we have a society today who are not sleeping. And we're dependent on all kinds of substances to be able to help us sleep. And the Word of God is more powerful than any pill you can take. Pills are addictive in a negative way, but the Word of God is addictive in a positive way. And these are for your children. They're for your, I don't just create products. I invest in your life. And this was something that the Lord really put on my heart. A pastor's wife of a small church in New England actually makes these. It was her idea and concept. This one has come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. But there are many other verses you can look. She, she had this as a little vision in her small church to help supplement their income, but she really didn't have any way to sell them. Once all the ladies at the church bought them, there was no other way. So when I buy them from her, I resell them. I have an opportunity to give her a little cottage industry of support in the ministry that they have in a very unevangelized area in America. You can turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and then I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 4. Does anybody know what this is? What is it? It's a purse. But it's not just any old purse. Take a look at it. This purse is made out of fine leather. It's a quality bag. It is not a cheap imitation. This is a handbag, but it is a designer handbag. Do you know why it's a designer handbag? Because it has the mark of the designer on the handbag. The mark is on this handbag. This one happens to be a Gucci. Now, I've had imitation Gucci's, and the imitation Gucci's, if you looked at the G real carefully, one of them was a C. <laughs> it was pretentious. It was making you think it was a G, but it wasn't a G. It was a C. But this is a genuine Gucci bag. I carried around the C's for a long time. But I'm not a C and you're not a C. You are a G. And there's been a divine mark imprinted on your life. You have been desi divinely designed by God. And everything about you is intentional. This designer handbag can be drugged through the dirt. But it's still a designer handbag. This designer handbag can be stepped on, can be kicked, 
can be abused, can be neglected, can be forgotten about, but it is still a designer handbag. Why is it a designer handbag? Because it has the mark of the designer. There are two things that I want to deal with today because the foundation of being victorious is understanding who we are and how God created us to be. There is a plumb line that the word establishes for us and we have the choice to align ourselves with that plumb line or we have the choice to compromise it a little bit and sometimes if you compromise it a little bit over the course of time you will end up way you thought you were close maybe you thought you were right on but you end up way over here where you don't want to be and we have to realign ourselves to the plumb line we cannot align ourselves to culture we have a plumb line of truth, the word of God, and the power and the dynamic of his love. And his love has made an imprint on each one of our lives. And it began when he decided to create you as a woman. In victorious living, there are three things that happen. We become content... Our contentment develops and builds courage, and we know we are totally covered by God's love. When we know those things, then every day we have what it takes to be able to align ourselves with the truth and not get over here. So things like self-control, for example, become possible. And we don't let our emotions drive us, our negative thinking. If you look at Genesis chapter 4, I want to tell you what God said and what God did about you when he divinely designed you as a woman because culture will not tell you this. They tell you exactly the opposite. Excuse me, it's Genesis 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good. Everybody say, not good. It is not good for man to be alone. Now, God, in his absolute love for man, who was Adam, man as in a male, his first creation... In God's caring and loving for man, having provided for Adam all the nurture that he needed through the plants and the trees, the animals, even companionship through animals did not satisfy him. And we are living in a day where we are trying to replace relationships with animals. We have animals sleeping with us, eating with us, eating off of our plates. We have animals that we take to the hospitals, that we give medicine to. We spend more on our animals than we do our kids and our grandkids. And if you don't have children, you spend more, more on your animals than you do your neighbor down the street who desperately needs your help. It is not good for man to be alone. He was alone and the animals didn't fulfill him. And God loved Adam so much. Let me tell you, ladies, God loves men. And you're supposed to love men too. In love, God said, okay, It's not good for you to be alone. So I'm going to make you, now the Hebrew word is ezar. I want you to say ezar with me. Because it's really hard for us to stomach the English word helper. I'm going to make you a helper. A helper? 
In 2015, honey, we are way beyond this as women. I didn't say it. Who said it? The one who put the mark on you from the beginning of time. Let me show you why the mark on you is the G. Divinely designed. Because Ezar is his mark. He said, I'm going to make you a helper. Now, in the Bible, this word Ezar is 21 times. Two of those 21 is referring to a woman, and every other, all 19 times, are referring to God himself. God is my help in time of need. Psalm 75, I am afflicted and needy. Hasten to me, O God, and help. Come on, say it with me. Help me, O Lord. God is the Azar. And he said, I will make woman to fulfill man, and I will put my mark so in a way. Now, don't hold me to this as a big, broad um, theological statement, but in a way, if you look at it, Adam was made in the image of God and we were created in the character of God. Think of it. We were created in the character of God out of compassion and love and fulfillment to Adam. He said, I am going to put my mark, my nature, my character of being the helper just like I am to you, God is your helper. He is your helper. There is no need that you have that God will not do what? Come alongside you, support you, encourage you, provide for you, intercede. He brought Jesus to his side to make intercession for you. And when he created woman, he created us to be that. We are the one that comes alongside man, encourages man, helps man, supports man, strengthens man. That is not a low position. It is a high calling. It is the mark of God. It's the character of who he is. We will never live every day victorious. The victory was won at the resurrection. Read the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The resurrection gave you the victory, but you have to walk in the victory and you cannot embrace that victory until you re-embrace your womanhood. It's impossible. Why? Because we try to be something we're not. And when we try to be something we're not, we're weak because you can't be something you're not. It's impossible. You can build your muscles. You can build your strength. You can go to the gym every day. You can dress like a man, but you're not a man. He made you an Ezar. Everybody say Ezar. I have been marked by God as an Ezar. I have been divinely designed by him and his mark as Ezar is on my life. And you know what? I have found, ladies, that when we understand who we are, we don't have to try to take, make you take notice of who I am. We have nothing to prove. We just know. Isn't that amazing? So you know what God did? So what God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper. You know what God did? Now, remember, he created man out of, don't say it, because you'll say it wrong. <laughs> God did not create man out of dirt. Men are not dirt. I want you to tell your brain, men are not dirt. <laughs> he created man out of soil. <laughs> out of soil flows all nutrition. Every plant life, Every nutrient needed to life itself 
comes from soil. If you look at Psalm 144, it says your sons will be like flourishing vines. Why? Because they're soil. And your daughters will be like pillars, polished. Here's the word. Fulfilling strengths to be the help. The sustaining support system is the pillar. And yet we tell men, we don't know what we tell men, but we tell women, you're the nurturer. (laughs) We've taken on nurturing because we never told men who they were. The word says they're the nurturer from the beginning of when they were formed. But when he created woman, he called the Hebrew word is isha. And when he created man, the Hebrew word is ish. Now, this is interesting. He made man out of soft, and he called him strong. Ish means strong. He made woman, so what God did was he put Adam to sleep, and out of the side of man, he took a bone. He was made out of soil, soft, and you were made out of bone. That's why women can handle anything. It's true. It's true. You were already made out of bone. You don't have to try to be strong. You are strong. It was his identity in you. And strong and tough are two different things. Because he took the bone, and then he looked at that bone, the woman fashioned after the bone, and he said, I formed you out of strong, but I'm calling you soft, Isha. So here he is formed out of soft soil, and God calls him strong, Ish, and we are formed out of strong, and he calls us Isha. (laughs) Maybe this is why men love to talk touch soft. (laughs) Maybe. And women love to touch strong. I stop there. There is no unisex in God. We are to honor, we are to honor men, and we're to know who we are. But I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this soft portion of the bone. Because the soft portion of the bone gives us our true identity. So here he took bone, it's strong, but then in the center of the bone, which is the soft, he called a soft, is the bone marrow. Now, there are 11 components that are made in the human bone, and it's in three different categories. One of the categories is the structure, so think of the skeleton. The skeleton is the structure of the body, and the bone provides the skeleton. Think about this in your own life. We are the ones who create the structure in the life of the home, in the life of the family, We create the structure because you were made out of of bone. Another one of those is the, um, the blood. So the blood, which is Leviticus says life is in the blood, and the blood in the human body 
is this soft portion of the bone. It's who God called you. It's called the bone marrow. And there are three components to this bone marrow. It's very important for us to understand this. The first one is called the hematopoietic. Do I have, how many people are, of you are in medical science of some way? Your nurses, your doctors, let me see them, all the medical science. Okay, you can, you don't, you know, I'm not a medical science person, I'm a researcher. So I read out of all the things that you studied and know. But this is where all the blood supply is formed for the structure of life itself. So we can have a structure, but we have no blood flowing into that structure, and there's no life within it, which means you can have a perfectly decorated house. You can have a great career. You can have a big bank account, but, and you've got this structure all in place, but there's no life in it. And the life comes from within here, and it comes from the woman. It doesn't come from the man. And y'all have been looking at your, the men in your life, whether it was the father, whether it is your husband, your boyfriend, or the man you hope to be in your life, and you're pointing a finger at him and saying, you are not being what I need. Honey, he can never be the bone marrow. God already gave you who you were, and you don't need somebody to create who you are by their behavior, positive or negative. Look at me. Don't let others cause you to become the person you're not. We're responsible for ourselves. And true victory is living in total fulfillment, in contentment and courage of who we are. Is that something I'm supposed to read? Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought maybe I was doing something wrong. <laughs> That's because my mama's sitting here. <laughs> here's, here's 500 billion blood cells a day flow out of this. You are a life giver. You're a life creator. A woman can walk into an environment that just has discouragement, death, depression all over it. And if we know who we are, we can walk into that and think, oh, instead of thinking, oh, man, I hate this place. I wish everybody would get up and do what they're supposed to do. Then maybe we'd have some joy around here. create life. I create it. Why? Because I'm bone. Because I'm Ezar. 500 billion blood cells. When there is no life, you have the ability to go into that environment and you have the ability to produce blood, produce blood, produce blood, produce blood. The blood of Jesus, the blood of the lamb. Produce the blood of my bone, produce blood. I remember when my husband was in such deep, dark depression. Hopeless in his life. Hopeless. Absolutely in his heart had quit ministry, really had quit life. I mean, even quit marriage, not that there was a threat for divorce, never was, but he quit functioning in marriage in all ways. Dark depression. Dark depression. And I'll never forget the day that we ended up across the living room from one another, and he always likes to kind of sit on the floor when we were younger. And he was sitting on the floor leaning against the chair, and I had kind of slid down to the floor leaning against the sofa. But we were across the room from one another. And honestly, he really didn't want to get up the next day. A great man, an awesome man. He had been so deeply rejected and hurt. It wasn't a sin problem in himself. 
But it was, he saw no hope out of the place he was in. That's what depression is. And I remember sitting in that floor that day. I didn't have this understanding to be able to articulate it like I do now, but I practiced it. I took a deep breath, and I knew that the only life he had was me. That was his only hope for life, was me. To speak life into him, Debbie, start producing blood. Speak life into him. You have the power of life within you, ladies. And instead of being life givers, we're being life takers. We're taking the life of others because of our self-centeredness and actually because of us not understanding who we are. Speak life, Debbie. Speak life, Debbie. Speak life into him. I remember a grand, one of our grandbabies was so severely ill. And we weren't sure what to do. The whole family gathered in our home. We had prayed for him, of course, but we had to make some really serious medical decisions for his future. And Larry and I didn't think maybe that that would be the right thing for our grandchildren to decide regarding our great-grandbaby. We hadn't expressed it, but we talked about it among ourselves. And that baby came into our home on the shoulder of his other grandparents. And, and the baby was lifeless. He was little over a year old. He couldn't lift his head. He hardly could lift his limbs. He had no life. There had to be life put back into him. God created you to be a life giver. The second component to this soft portion of the bone, God called you Isha. The second one is the vascular system. Now, the vascular system is the conduit to the circulatory system within the body. What does that mean in relation to you and I? So, I can produce life but then life also has to flow into the other systems after it's produced of the function of the family. So it would be the family of the human body or of your family, the people you are in relationship to. So you produce life, but then through you that life has to flow. What is it that clogs the veins? Because a blood clot is deadly, isn't it? If a blood clot comes to the heart, we don't give life, we lose our life. And you know what, ladies? Negativity are blood clots to life. You cannot live in victory and be negative. Negativity is the opposite of faith. Faith hopes and believes in things you cannot see. And as a life giver, you began speaking it. You speak it. You speak to the mountain. You know, the word doesn't say pray for the mountain and it'll eventually go away. <laughs> what does the word say? S say it. Speak. 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 You speak to your life circumstances. You speak. I, that day I spoke to my husband. I spoke to him in love. I spoke to him in encouragement. I came alongside him. Did you know that when Jesus was leaving the disciples in John, he said, I'm going to go away, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I am sending you a helper. Now, that's New Testament. That's Greek. But the meaning of the word is the same. So you are, to your environment, what the Holy Spirit is to you. That's victory. That reproduces. The third component is the lymphatic system. The lymphatic system supports the immune system. 
the emphatic, uh, lymphatic system is what fights disease. Fights disease. It's really interesting because in Titus 2, when the word says, older teach younger women, which is a transference from generation to generation of values that cultures and laws will not sustain. Did you catch that? Don't look to your law to sustain your family values. The life givers sitting in this room are the ones who sustain our family values. We live, we create. You have victory over the past because of the resurrection. Amen? You create your present, and he takes you to your future. So what you do today creates your destiny. In Titus 2, it says, I want you to teach women to be the keeper of their home. There are seven things I'm to teach you, but I'm just referring to this very quickly. Be the keeper of your home. That word keeper doesn't mean house cleaner. But you do need to clean your house or hire somebody to do it if you have the money because your house needs to be clean, but that's not what that word means. That word means to guard, okurios. Teach women to be the guard of the domestic environment of their home. That's what that word means. And the guard in the Old, Old Testament stood at the gate of the city and was empowered by would have been the governor or the headship of that city. He was empowered. He was employed. He was empowered. But his job was to stand at the gate and look beyond the walls for any potential encroachment of the enemy. That was his job. I am to teach you as an older woman that as women in our homes, in our families, it doesn't matter if you're single, married, unmarried, divorced, grandma, what generation you are, you are the guard of the domestic environment of your homes. And our job, as the bone marrow is be part of the lymphatic system that keeps the enemy of dis-ease, disease, from coming into my environment. We have victory over the enemy. It is not called feminine intuition. It's not feminine intuition. It's because God made you bone. That's why you instinctively know, ooh. I remember one time Larry was asleep. I'm the bone. I stayed up and I waited for our daughter to come in from a date and she had gone out with someone she had never gone out with before. We didn't know, it was someone from school. We were new in the area, in the city. We gave her permission to go. She got home on time. She honored her curfew, but I always stayed up. The reason I stayed up, because the second she walked in the door, I could discern, was this a good experience or not a good experience? It didn't matter what she said. I wasn't there to grill her, to ask her questions, but I could tell. Why? Because I am the lymphatic system. Larry could have stayed up, and he wouldn't have had a clue if, she, if it was good for her or not good for her when she walked in. I could read her body language, I could read her countenance, I could tell by the Spirit. Why? Because I am to her what the Holy Spirit became to the disciples and to you, who he is to you. God gives you insight that you need and you don't need to go around putting profit in front of your name. That was not in my notes, I'm sorry. Sometimes when you're a speaker, things just come out that are your pet peeves. I am woman, I am tender and powerful. I am smart and sensitive. I am responsive. Why? Because God made us in love his love to Adam created you and me, who we are.
in love, for love, to love. His love is unbelievable. Do you want to be a life giver? I promise you it will take you to victory. If you embrace your identity today as an Ezar, and you get up every morning, I'm an Ezar. I'm an Ezar. I'm going to come alongside what life brings me today. I will be an intercessor like Jesus went away to be your intercessor. I will be an intercessor for what life brings to me today. Because I choose to position myself, no matter how crazy you want to act or behave around me, I position myself in who I am. And I'm not changing my identity. I know who I am. I've been marked by God. I am a helper just like he's a helper, and I'm proud to be an Ezar. Life... Physically, we carry life in our womb. Emotionally, we carry life through our words. And spiritually, I bring life through the power of God's love. In the early part of the century, there was a song. Some of you may know it. It was penned by Frederick Lehman, The Love of God. How rich, how poor, pure. Ladies, we were created in his love. He is love. Love created you. He created you because of love, in love, to love. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure. If the musicians are prepared to just play that stanza behind me, I want you to focus your spirit in how great Infathomable is his love. When we know who we are, you will know contentment where you are. You will have courage to face what we are given responsibility for. And you will be covered. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Greater things can you do in him. Thanks be to God for the victory through Jesus Christ. Therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the character of God. Always abounding in his character. He penned this verse. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. But he didn't have a third verse. It didn't feel complete. This is just the chorus. Some time went by. And then he remembered a little folded piece of paper that an insignificant one had handed him. He unwrapped that paper, and on it he found a verse. This verse was copied off of the wall of a mental institution by an inmate there. And that inmate wrote a verse that was written 1,000 years earlier by a Jewish German. And here's what it read. Could we with ink the oceans fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above on the skies would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole. 
though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, love of God, how rich, how pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forever more endure, be steadfast in the power of God's love and the saints and angels cry. Will you sing that for me? Breathe deep, close your eyes, and let the love of God embed your spirit this morning. Breathe deep. Could we within the ocean hill and skies were a parchment made? Were every star on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love? You know, after you hear somebody like Debbie. And then you hear what the world is telling us about who we are. You're like, it doesn't equate. It's like cognitive dissonance, right? Because as women, we have this incredible role as the Azair in our family, in our community, in our nation, and in our world to help, to uphold, and to assist and surround all the things that Debbie did for me, uh, she did for so many others. And so I just want to challenge you, especially young women listening today, when people try to tell you that you're cisgender and all of this, I want you to come back and tell them the truth. No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm a woman. Uh, My daughter is a little girl, was a little girl, and will grow up to be a young woman. Uh, We are mothers. We are daughters. We are sisters. We are friends. We are wives. We are women. That is who we are, and we're not going to take on a label that the world wants to give us. We are only going to wear the label that God gives us, and he says, you're a female, you're a woman. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can also reach others with their value, identity, and purpose by making a donation today at yourmore.org slash donate. Thank you again for joining me on the I Am A Woman podcast, where we are reminding women who they are created to be. Remember, I am a woman and my name means life.